All right, hey everyone, my name's Mackenzie. I'm the founder of uh, Grad Jobs. I'm here today with Prerit, an absolute legend. Uh, hey Prerit, how are you going? Good, how are you? I'm excellent, thank you. Good morning so far? Yeah, I mean, I just woke up with a coffee in my hand, so. Fantastic. <laughs> I saw you got the PWC mug there, very nice. Yeah, that was an accident, not a flex. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, welcome, Prerit. Thank you for, for coming today. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your, your insight and, and advice with students. Anytime, anytime. Awesome. All right, so what I'll do is I'll just give you guys a bit of a background on Prerit's journey so far. So we're going we're gonna to give you a bit of a background, then we're going to dig in to the beginning of the story and work through from, from that point until now and just draw out some insights. Uh, and, and learnings that he's had along the way because he's had a very interesting uh, journey so far. Just to give you guys a bit of a, um, a bit of a background, he is a data analyst, right, at PwC at the moment. And so he started off a little while ago, I guess, quite a few years ago, as a partnership head um, for a poetry organisation, which is which is fascinating. We can jump into that. He then worked for Uber, kind of like me, which is pretty funny. Uh, over in India, and he helped launch Uber Eats, a city of one million people, which is pretty awesome. He then jumped into his master's degree in Australia, and he worked in customer service as a chef, I believe, and did an internship as a data analyst for a luxury brands or uh, luxury goods company. And now he is working at PwC. Have I missed anything? That's my yeah. No, all good. Just, just a sec. That's my dog being cheeky. Oh, very good. <laughs> what, what's his name or her name? Todd. He's a he. Thor. Todd. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. No. Move. Move. Oh. Very good. Cool. Yeah. Sorry about that. All good. Just all good. Being cheeky. So. So yeah, I guess why don't we just start at the beginning? So you uh, before you decided to pursue your masters, you were working as a co-founder slash partnership head for a poetry organization. Could you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So um, back in my city, back in India, I had a very I grew up in a very small like a city of like one million people, and um, I used to write poetry, but I. Okay, just give me one sec. <laughs> just give me one sec. Okay. Back in my hometown, we didn't have a platform for young poets like me. We had platforms for uh, the professional poets, but I, there was always uh, a lack of platform for poets like me, still starting out. And there, there was never a community of young poets. So my basic idea was to first start a community of young poets. Um, similar to Dead Poet Society, where all the poets can come together, discuss their poetry and, and other random stuff. And from there on, we had a good response. Then we were like, okay, if we are getting a good response on this, why not organize poetry like in cafes and restaurants? So we reached out to cafes and restaurants, um, and we noticed that um, there are certain hours of the day where the cafes and the restaurants are dead. There's no one coming in. So our, our pitch to the, to the cafes was, We'll bring you people during these hours, like 100 people, and some of them would be poets, and some of them would be their friends or audience coming to, 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 to listen to their poetry, and they liked the idea, and that's how we started, and we, hmm. we gave a platform to more than 250 poets in almost three years, and also was the only organization in my city to have organized the event, an event in one of the world heritage sites. It was a pretty exciting journey, you know, helping out people, just like you. Like you help students get jobs. Back then I was helping young poets get a platform so they can share their poetry with the world. So, yeah, it was exciting. That's so amazing. Thank you. So amazing, I love it. I remember when we first met and you told me about this and I was just thinking, wow, this is a selling point. This is a selling point. And so, so I'm really interested actually, I don't think I've, properly asked you this before why what was it that got you into poetry was it that movie uh not really um for me back in my school days we used to have um like 
used to recite poetry. You know, someone else used to write like poetry from other poets. I used to recite poetry in 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 my school competitions and all that stuff. Uh, I was that's how I started getting into poetry. And I, at one point, I was like, if I can recite someone else's poetry, maybe I can write as well. That's how I started. I started in English, then I went to Punjabi, then I went to Hindi, and then I was settled. I was like, Hindi is my language. I think in Hindi. I can write in Hindi, and I can convey my 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 feelings or my thoughts in Hindi better. So that's how I started with poetry. That's fantastic. That makes sense. That's a, that's awesome. And so you were there for a couple of years or so, and 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 also during that time, you joined Uber. Yes. Um, so when I was running my poetry organization full time, I was also a student, a full time student, doing a bachelor's in engineering computer sciences. Mm-hmm. And as a part of that that degree, we were supposed to have an internship. And I was so much into my poetry organization that I did not sit for any placements. Be uh, in it back in the day, you have placements where companies will come to your campus and recruit you. So I did not sit for any any. Um, uh, placements at that time, so I missed on a bunch of opportunities. But then I was also like, I am also interested in computer science. I can't just miss it just because of poetry. So then I took it on myself to find a job. Um, I reached out to a bunch of companies back in India, and one of them was Uber. They were still launching um, Uber in my city, so I reached out to the manager. Uh, I was like, um, I'm doing this, this, and this. Um, maybe we can set up an interview or something, a, a normal call. And we got on a call, and then uh, things worked out. Fantastic! And so, so the way you got that was just cold outreach. Yes, in a way. Mm. Yes. So I just uh, um, at that time, if I'm remembering it correctly, I somewhere saw. I think on Facebook or somewhere I saw that Uber is. I think it was LinkedIn or Facebook. I can't remember now. That Uber is hiring in in Chandigarh because they're 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 extending their expanding their services. So I reached out there, and it it took the manager like a month to respond, but um, he responded, and then I got in an interview with him, and then another interview with the launch manager, okay. the launch head, um, and then uh, things things just worked out. That makes sense. And how was that experience? Do you think it was valuable? The interview experience, or the Uber working at Uber uh, in your operations role. Oh, it was it was really really valuable. You know, um, I learned a bunch of things. The first thing that I learned was it was my first time working in a startup after having my own organization. Uh, in my own organization, we. We were still learning stuff, you know, how to be organized, how to be structured, and all that stuff. That my internship with Uber worked as a catalyst. Mm-hmm. You know, I learned how organizations work, how how you need to have a structure in all the things that you do, and I also that also helped me in my communication skills because I was always talking to customers, uh, restaurant partners, and um, other. I was also talking to people because in Uber you have people coming in from colleges like the good ones at least in india they only hire people from the good colleges so i was talking to someone from harvard i was talking to someone from the, the, the top colleges of india so you know when you surround yourself with people like that you also uh, aspire to become like them mm-hmm. that was also a good point um, for me at, the, at that time other than that um, what else my communication skills my interpersonal skills uh, Surrounded by good people, motivating people, and just g- general, uh, you know, how to how to function in a corporate corporate environment. So that was that was my entry to the corporate world. It was it was a good experience, a, a huge learning experience, I should say. Mm. Definitely, definitely. And so, so then you, uh, around this time, I, it looks like. Uh, or a bit later, you decided to pursue your Masters of Business Information Management and Systems at Latrobe. Yes. So, um, as I said, like my managers in Uber, they all studied from good colleges, Harvard, or some top colleges in India or abroad as well. So that's when I decided that um, um, I need to I need to have the international exposure as well. I need to experience diversity. 
So because it'll be a and the other thing was I before this before coming to Australia I had never left my hometown for job or for anything. So I was like, this is going to be a huge learning experience for me. It it is going to make me independent. I should take this. So that's when I decided that I'll move to Australia to to pursue. And at the same time, I was also. So I was doing my my bachelor's in in, in a pure technical field, mm. but then I'm I'm also interested in the business side of things mm. side of things. So I was like, this degree is a perfect combination of business and technical. I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to I just I just don't want to be a pure technical person or a pure business person. I need to have both the skills so that that makes me more uh, employable. Mm. So that's why that's when I decided I'll move to Australia, get the international exposure, diversity. Uh, it'll help me become independent. It'll help me some important business skills. It also helped me some life skills. Before that, I had never worked part time, so that was and never as a chef or anything else. That was also a good good um, learning experience there. So yeah. Mm. Brilliant. And out of interest, I don't think we've actually discussed this uh, before. Mm-hmm. When you came or decided to pursue your masters, did you have a clear goal? Did you kind of because you're quite a, you seem like you're you know very you're, you're quite an artistic kind of creative person. Uh, it seems mm-hmm. to me anyway, mm-hmm. based on your experience and, and all these you know other things that we've talked about in the past. But did you know what the end goal was, or did you just think this is going to be uncomfortable? This is going to be exciting. I'm going to get out of my relatively small town and just see what's on the other side or, or was it did it was it structured um i would not say that it was structured i only had one goal in mind that i want to move out of india and uh, be independent independent in the sense i want to i want to learn a bunch of things mm. at that time i did not have in mind that i want to work with pwc or i want to work with as a company i didn't have anything of that sort in mind i just wanted to learn a bunch of things what i i love i'm one of those people who love learning i don't say no to learning like beat anything be it through a book be it through an experience or anything i just want to learn things so like this is a huge huge opportunity for me to to learn some important life skills and at the same time um, some 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 theory as well business theory and all that stuff so i just have had that goal in mind not not a professional goal like i want to work in this company or i want to work as a data analyst down the line something of that sort at least at that time mm, that's great i love it and, and when you came to australia mm-hmm. do you do you remember what it was like like what 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 was it that kind of i guess stood out to you as being different different as in from where you had been, from where you had been, I guess it was a new experience, different people, different environment, different everything. But what to, for you stood out as wow, this is this is kind of a bit of a shock, or was or was it just pretty straightforward for you moving here? Um, I think um, as I said, I before that I was sort of independent. I, I was earning my 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 bread and butter by myself. But I was still living with my parents. You know, I did not have any financial liabilities at that time. I was still very chill. But after coming here, one thing that I decided was that I am never going to ask my parents for money for my for my livelihood. I'm gonna I'm gonna do part time jobs or whatever it takes to at least uh, earn a decent you know um, living for myself while I'm studying. What surprised me was that people are working here two jobs, three jobs, and still studying full time, and um, uh, and the people who are driven as so driven, you know. Uh, what else? Apart from that, funny enough, when I first came to Melbourne, I was like, "This is just like my hometown." <laughs> because yeah. The greenery, in, the greenery in Melbourne, and the park, and everything—it reminded, reminded me of my my hometown. It was, it was very, very similar. So that was a bit of a, a good thing there that I was not missing home that much initially. Yeah, but nothing, nothing, nothing. Um, say, 
I can't remember like it was something that, that really stood out. Mm. At least I can't remember anything right now. Mm. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. And so, so you got here, you started with your degree, and I, I know you got at least a couple of kind of part-time jobs. So one was in customer service. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was debt, go, collecting debt. Is that right? Yes. Collecting yes. debt. That is, uh, what an experience. Oh, it was an interesting experience talking to all these, and <laughs> we had all sorts of all sorts of people in the call. Some were super nice, some were super rude, some were denying that they own any debt to the government. It was a again, it also helped me in my interpersonal skills. Mm-hmm. I had interpersonal skills, but dealing with Indians in India. Yeah. So this was my <laughs> this was my chance. This was this was an opportunity for me to 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 uh, know more about the culture here and know more about how, how people talk here, how people think here. It was a pretty fun experience. I did I could not I could not uh, continue the job for long. I had to go back to India for some reason. But those two months were pretty interesting. And I before that I had never done uh, such a job, like a customer uh, a call center sort of job. But it was it was uh, it was a fun experience. I remember one day I was uh, just doing doing my my work and. Uh, I was calling a bunch of people to remind them of their debts and set some installment plans or something for them. I got on a call with, with this lady and I told her that you owe this much to the government and she was like, uh, is it? So she was giving me some objections. Then I handled the objections and you won't believe I was able to convince her to pay all her debt that time. It was like around $6,000 or something. And I was still on the call with her and all my my manager and, and my team leader, they all came to my desk. I had a notebook on my desk and they they, they were writing something, congratulations, this and that, this and that, mm-hmm. to, to me. It was, and I, before joining the job, I was so nervous. I was like, I won't be able to do this job. I've never done this, I, I can never do it. But then when you put yourself in, in something uncomfortable, um, you, and if you, if you persevere, you will come out as, as a winner. You will at least learn something. I learned a lot of things during that job. It was interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's brilliant, and I think from what I can see, it's really helped you. There's the PwC man. Oh, is that a different one? Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say that's the PwC mug coming out. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, is. It, it seems to me that you you've got such a good kind of set of skills. Like you're so well rounded. You did the entrepreneurship and the poetry, that creativity. You got the technical computer yeah. science background. Then you've done the Uber stuff, working in a small startup, uh, fast pace, customer service, yeah. and different culture. And then you've come into brand new culture, persuading people, learning the, the culture of a completely different country, improving yeah. those communication skills, learning these processes, uh, the ins and outs. So I think, I feel that a lot of, I, I know a lot of, especially international students, they do work really hard to make sure they can do these part-time jobs and ideally even get an internship and do well in their degree all at the same time. And yeah. um, although it's hard work, I think you can see it really helps you to become such an, an all-rounded person. It's almost like doing these kind of jobs, now that you think about it, I guess, it's almost like a second degree in communication skills and negotiating and time management and all these yeah. things. Yeah, oh, it is. That, that's a very nice way to put it. it. It's almost, it is a second degree in, in soft skills, you know. It is. That's a nice way to put it. I never That's thought about it. Never th- I never thought about it like that before until today, but it is. It's like you've got um, the technical, the, the academic, the getting things in on time, learning and you know writing yeah. reports, analyzing data, whatever it is. But then you've got talking to hundreds of people, persuading them. It's, it's phenomenal. But then you top that off because you also worked as, as a chef, right? Ah, yes, that was also very interesting. Uh, so, I, I told you, like, I did my uh, call center job for like two months and I had to go back to India for some medical reasons for like almost a year. I came back to Melbourne um, and I was looking for a job. And here, uh, I'm going to say one thing, like, while you're, while you're studying, it's so important to have a network. Go out and meet a bunch of people. You don't know who's going to help you and when are they going to help you. You never know. So at that time, when I, when I came back from India, I was still looking for a job and I, I already had a friend um, 
and I I was just meeting him like mm-hmm. normal randomly. I was just meeting him, and then I was telling him that I'm looking for a job, and he was like, Oh, I got a job in my field. He's also in IT. He's like, I got a job in IT. So uh, he was working as a chef at, uh, at that place. He was like, That position is going to be vacant soon. If you want, I can uh, recommend your name. At that time, I was like, oh, I have never worked as a chef. I don't know if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, uh, uh, if I'm gonna be a good, if I'm, if I'm gonna be good there or not. But then he was like, give it a try. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? I've, I've, I've given a try to a lot of things. Why not this as well? So I went there for the trial. Um, they they liked me and they were like, we'll start off, we'll start you off as a kitchen hand, mm. just so that you can learn the the the, the necessary skill. And then from and from there on, we can you know um, if how things work and we can you know promote you to sous chef, chef, whatever that is. So I was like, sure, why not? So I didn't say no to that opportunity. And I worked there as a kitchen hand for like almost two months. And they saw my progress and everything. And then they promoted me within like two three months. They promoted me to be sous chef, and then from there on as a chef. So two things here: never say no to opportunities. You, I mean, you you aren't losing anything. It's take it as an take it as a new experience. Like, you will in the end ultimately come out with with some new learnings. So never say no to opportunities. And the second one is have have a good network from the first day. The, the day you land in Australia, because this country works on networks. You need to have a good network. And. Uh, network in everything in, in your social circle, in your professional circle, in your uni circle. Have a network everywhere. Just be nice to people. Be willing to help them. And you, you never know. Uh, some will help you, some will not. But the ones who will help you, they might make your life. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah, I love it. I love it. That, yeah, keep um, as you go through. It's really useful. Just keep, if you think of any insights, advice, learnings, or mistakes, yeah. or, or misconceptions that you've had. Yeah. Just reel those out because it's so valuable for people who are yet to tread the path. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Oh, I've made a bunch of mistakes. Bunch of mistakes. Uh, I can't remember one right now because you don't remember the bad stuff. Yeah. But when while we're talking, if something comes up, yeah, um, and I'll probably I'll definitely share it. Yeah, we'll just pivot and we'll just go wherever's wherever's fun and useful. So that's fantastic. Sure. So you so you built your network, uh, became a chef. In the mm-hmm. kitchen, which is pretty fantastic. Uh, I've, I'm, I'm interested because I really like. For me, I'm, I'm quite interested in seeing the, seeing how patterns arise and, and the connections between things, especially things that people don't usually consider connected. So yeah. I'm, I'm interested. What did you learn uh, as a chef that has that has maybe now helped you in your professional career? Has any has anything is there, is there is there a transferable skill there or multiple? Oh bunch of bunch of transferable skills. Um, first is uh, stepping up stepping out of your comfort zone. That's one. Because when you're working in, 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 in an office environment, there are going to be times when you'll have to step out of your comfort zone. For example, you're working with a lot of team members and um, your team manager or your team leader asks you to, to present something to the client. Now, if you have a habit of stepping out of your comfort zone, you, you'll you be the first one to raise your hand. Like, I'll do that. I'll present to the client. I'll, I'll make a presentation. So uh, that will help you. Like, when I, when I had this, when I, when I started as a, as a kitchen hand in, in, that, in that restaurant, before that, I had never worked in the kitchen. Um, on 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 the uh, on the cooking side of things. So since I stepped up, stepped out of my and I have a lot of times I have stepped out of my comfort zone. Like going back to twenty fifteen when I started my poetry organization, I could have just complained about a lack of a platform for poets. I could have complained for five years, ten years, six years, whatever time. But I wanted to do something for it. And before that, I had never, never gone out and talked to talk to people or um, performed poetry in, in front of like hundreds of people. So I was stepping out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a job in uh, during my placements, so I reached mm-hmm. out to to the managers in Uber. Again, stepping out of my comfort zone. I had never done that. Coming to Australia, 
I was pretty pretty relaxed, pretty chill in in my hometown. I had everything, but I didn't want that. I wanted to be independent, more independent, start stepping out of my comfort zone. And then again, doing this job, stepping out of my comfort zone. So that's the that's the number one skill I I learned. Like you will learn to take initiatives by taking risks. You learn to take initiatives. And the second skill was uh, working under pressure. Mm. When you're working in a kitchen, and if it's a Friday night, the kitchen can get super, super, super crazy, super busy. Yeah. You have to have that skill of working under pressure. I learned. I I, I used to struggle with working under pressure before that. I used to break down, break down as in, I mean, I can't do it. But when I was working in the kitchen, I had no other option. I had to deliver. If if the customer is asking for a fondu, I have to make that. I have no other option, so I was working under pressure. And there will be a lot of times in your in your in your professional journey as well, in your office environment, when you have to work under pressure, when it breaks up, when you have to work on a deadline. So that's that's the other thing that I learned working under pressure. Apart from that, um, uh, what else? You're know, being organized, being structured. Because when you work in a kitchen and super busy, you can't be you can't be disorganized. You can't be unorganized. You have to have uh, all the stuff at the, at, the, at the right place. That will that will help you in speeding up your uh, your work. That's the other thing: being organized, being structured. Other normal normal skills like communication skills. You have to communicate with the with the staff as well. With the front staff, you have to make sure that which order came first. You have to send that out first and all that stuff. These are the bunch of skills. See, you do anything. You do. You take up any job in life. You you take up any gig. You will always, always, always have some transferable skills. It could be as small as um, small talk. It could be uh, interpersonal skills. It could be anything. But you will in any job that you do, you will always have some transferable skills. That's that's what I believe. Hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. And and it seems that also another thing that you consistently have done is take initiative as well. To, to improve yes. things, to change things. And so I know uh, from previous discussions, or from what I understand, you at the restaurant and maybe in a lot of other places too, took initiative to improve things and the tracking of things and all that sorts of stuff. Uh, yes. Yes. So um, I was also working as a... Again, so this is very interesting. I was working at two restaurants. Uh, because at that end the government allowed uh, more than 20 hours of work mm. so I was working at two restaurants in one restaurant I was working in, in the kitchen as a, as a chef and in the other restaurant I was working as a front house supervisor mm. so if down the line I wanted to just get myself into the hospital industry I could have done that because I had both the skills front of house skills and back of house skills I had both the skills so when I was working and when I was working as a front of house supervisor, that that restaurant was very uh, not a very big restaurant, a small restaurant. So, and they had some issues with inventory, a lot of wastage in inventory, because they didn't have a system in place to to make sure that we are getting enough inventory or we are not wasting money on getting uh, extra stuff or whatever. So I just I took it on myself because I had really good relations with the uh, with the owner. That that's one thing. Always, always have good relations with people. Always, you don't know who's gonna help you where. I had such good relations. I'm just pivoting here, but I had such good relations with the restaurant owner that they were willing to sponsor me for my PR. I had such good relations because I was I was um, doing my work honestly. I was putting in the hours. I was putting in the hard work, and they will notice that. Your 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 employer will take a notice of take a note of all that stuff so always have good relations just just do your do your work with pure honesty so yeah uh, I noticed that they, they had some issues with the inventory there were there was a lot of wastage in the inventory and during some like busy nights for example on a Friday night when a, um, a very popular item was running out of stock so as a, as a, as a restaurant owner you never want to say no to a customer and I had seen my owner, and I have done that myself. I had to say no to a customer. A customer is coming on a Friday night, expecting the best night for for, for them. And if they don't get the stuff that they want, it, it's a very disappointing uh, thing for them and for the for the restaurant as well. So I took a lot of that, and I 
and I spent some days building an Excel uh, uh, module for them uh, to make sure that we are never running out of uh, inventory. And it works really well within like two, three, two, three months. Our Google reviews jumped from I think four point something to it was below four point five, and it jumped from below four point five to something four point seven or four point eight uh, because we were using that inventory uh, tracker. Um, and yeah, so again, I took initiative there and I made sure because I I thought that that restaurant is mine, so I took it as like this is my this is my restaurant and I have to make sure that the customers are having a good experience. That's how I when you know um, made sure that we are uh, providing excellent customer service. Mm. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yep. It's such a good mentality to have, isn't it? It's like even as an employee, just having that owner mentality. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's that. That mentality will take you places. If you if you think like, ah, oh, this is this is my work. I have to come here. I have to work from nine to five, and I'm done. I don't care about anyone else or anything else. Then you'll be stuck in one place. You have to stand out from from the crowd because a lot of people are doing the same stuff. They are not taking ownership. You have to take ownership. If you take ownership, then you'll stand out, and you will make good progress in life. Hmm. I agree with that. I think it's really important as well. And the other thing, this is kind of sidestepping a bit, but one thing that I, uh, one thing that always comes to mind whenever I think of you as a person is is someone who doesn't complain. And they, I've never I've never heard of a complaint come out of your mouth. It's always you're always looking for um, ways to get to something, not excuses to not get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, see. Now I now when I think of it, um, and again as I said, I could have I could have kept complaining uh, for the lack of a platform for poets. I could have kept complaining for anything in life, but then that's not going to solve a problem. You you have to work to solve a problem. You have to take that initiative. For example, when I was working with you as well, again the transferable skills. I was working in that poetry organization and we were organizing events, poetry events. So I I knew how to build a community. So mm. I use I, I I would have never never uh, imagined that from my event management skills I would have used those skills in in providing you some some suggestions that you can do this you can do that for for the for the weekly calls for any for anything so you you never know what skills what transferable skills you're learning while you're doing something so yeah. Um, um, Complaining will never take you anywhere. Complaining, mm. I think complaining is the first step. First step. So <laughs> by complaining, you are you are agreeing that there is a problem. You're acknowledging acknowledging the problem. But then a lot of people will do that. I complain. I complain about stuff. But then I don't stop there. I take the next step. I first step is acknowledging the mistake or the complaint, whatever that is. But then the next step is to take an initiative to think how you can improve. How you can do things differently. Ninety-nine percent people will stop at the first step. Only the one person will take the next step. And you, if you take the next step, you're already way ahead of other people. You know. Hmm. If that makes sense. Definitely, definitely, and and I think that like for me, I, I've noticed because I've obviously kind of like you with your poetry stuff. My my area is helping people get jobs. Um, especially students and grads and one of the first things that I always kind of try and hammer home into them is that you know you to get results you really like you have to take res- like responsibility and accountability you can't just say oh you know I bought a degree or I, I got this and it's, it's going to get me the results like you need to take ownership um, otherwise because really no one's going to take ownership for you like who's going to change your life other than yourself no one's going to come in, exactly. magically get you this job um, and say, hey, you go, here's a job that you didn't work for. Like, you've got to work for it as well. Um, anyway, I think it's a good point you raised. Yeah, just one thing here. You know, after I got my job at PwC, I posted on LinkedIn. A lot of people started, and I mentioned you in the post as well, and that post surprisingly did very well. It had like 10,000 or 20,000 views or something. Yeah. I can't remember now. It was a lot. Uh, a lot of... A lot of people reached out to me asking about you 
like how's McKenzie? Is he good or not? <laughs> so I used to always tell them, uh, give me a call because I can't I can't uh, do a lot of texting. I was like, give me a call. We'll talk about it. And then they used to ask me, like, uh, is it a guarantee? Is it is it a guarantee that I'll get a job or something? Uh, and I used to tell them the same thing. McKenzie will help you in getting a job. He will not get a job for you. It's your responsibility to put in the work. It's your responsibility to make sure that you are doing everything that he says. He knows his stuff. You have to follow him. You have to follow his course, whatever he's teaching. And at the same time, ask for his help. He is always there to help you. Because I know I have asked a bunch of times, like McKinsey, I'm having an interview. Do you mind getting on a call for a mock interview or something? And uh, you, you never said no. So it's like, there are two things. First, have clear expectation setting that he is not going to get you a job. It is your responsibility to get a job. But he will always be there to help you. And, and the second thing is, you also have to ask for help. If you don't ask for help, no one's going to help you. Everyone's so busy in their lives, you have to ask for it. And it, it, it won't make you a small, uh, smaller person if you ask for help. That's so fantastic. That's so fantastic. All of these little things are just kind of almost little character traits that will just take you to the next yeah. level. With all of this stuff, like my mum, she always used to say, I, it's so hammered into my brain. And you can see like with our strategies and what we do, this mm-hmm. this one thing is incorporated into everyone. It's if you don't ask, you don't get. If you don't ask, exactly. you don't get. And that's what I love about you as well. You, you whenever, yes, you followed what I was saying. And not only did you follow what I was teaching, you questioned it. You said, why is it like this? Why are you doing this? Yeah. Can we change it to this? Can, and you were even saying to me, how can we improve the calls? How can we improve the content? Um, and then you never, you know, you're always asking for things and, and, you know, if people say no, okay. But, you know, with, like with me, I, I obviously, you know, I want to help you. And, and, you know, when you ask, I help. Um, so I love yeah. that about you as well. Thank you. <laughs> So so many gems you've got. Um, I was gonna I was gonna cover something else, but it slipped my mind. Um, anyway, let's move on. Maybe if you have anything else, let me know. So you then had a pretty awesome internship opportunity, uh, which was a bit of an unusual one. Like it's all of these and and, and if we go look back at this stuff you're in your first experience it's entrepreneurial you just made it made the experience yeah uber you created this you you reached yeah. straight out um and i'm sure you also reached out to a lot of people who didn't even respond uh you got this other job as well the restaurant jobs network created the yeah. opportunity there, there was never an advert there right and then with this internship this also seems quite unique it was an opportunity that i i believe came out of a form of relationship. Could you talk us through how you got this data analyst internship at Latrobe? Sure. So um, at that time, it, in our uni, we had two subjects um, where we used to, we were supposed to um, work with a client, and it was it was initially supposed to be for I think six months or something. Uh, where you you have to help a client with his um, uh, the data set and do some insights and create the Power BI dashboards for them. And uh, we were doing uh, initially, I think it was supposed to be for six months. Then we were doing some good stuff, so they extended it for another six months. We ended up doing that for one year. And to be honest, I think this was this was because of my university, because it was a part of our uh, university course. So we were supposed to do that, um, but. Uh, in a way, it was served to us on a platter. This internship, uh, I'm going to be honest, this was served to us on, on a platter. But um, again, you you have to work hard to make sure that you are delivering top-notch uh, content or services to the client. And we did that. So the clients were happy with our with our with our work, and they extended that to another six months. And this. Sorry to be disappointing, but there's no yeah. <laughs> exciting story uh, coming out of this internship. But so so it, so was it through a course that was mandatory for your degree? So did everyone get this opportunity? Yes. 
yes, everyone got this opportunity. Okay. To, um, I didn't realize yeah. that. That's good. That's great. Go to Latrobe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we still have that subject. Uh, yeah. A lot of things have happened in the last few years because of COVID. A lot mm. of um, professors or teachers lost their job and all that stuff. But I'm still in touch with my professor, uh, a lot of professors. Again, coming back to the network thing, always keep your network warm. Uh, always keep talking to people. Um, this reminds me, like, when I was doing your, uh, your course that you, that you teach, I was reaching out to a bunch of... Um, uh, now I'll tell you one thing, a very one interesting um, journey I had while, uh, while trying to get a job. So, um, I came across this job at work on LinkedIn. Uh, it was the aged care provider. And they were looking for a data analyst. And so it was a small organization. It had like 70 people or something in that organization. And I was like, uh, I want to be different because that job at work had like 400 applicants. Mm. And I was one of them. So I wanted to do something different. So I have this habit of always going through, you know, LinkedIn profiles of the job manager or some, some, some people working in the company. So I was going through all those LinkedIn profiles. Um, and the company had like 70 or 80 employees. So I was like, I'm not doing anything else. Why not just go through all the LinkedIn profiles of all the 70 or 80 employees? I remember this, in, yeah. Working in the company. So I went through all their, uh, initially I went through all their uh, LinkedIn profiles. And I noticed the pattern that a lot of people in that company are staying in the company for more than five years, some even for more than 10 years. I mean, that's interesting. That does not happen quite often. Like people sticking to one company for that long. So that made me curious. So using their public LinkedIn data, I created an, um, a dashboard on Excel, like just to figure out why is this happening? Why are people staying in the company for so long? What are the reasons that are the factors contributing to that decision that they're making and all that stuff. So I made a dashboard and I shared the da dashboard with you as well and I reached out to the job manager as well. I sent her um, the dashboard. I sent that dashboard to the person who was supposed to interview the candidates and to some other team members as well in the team. And they were, they were all so happy uh, with the dashboard. And mind you, the, dash, the dashboard was not like out of the world. It was a pretty simple, basic dashboard. But then out of all those 400 people applying for the, that job, I probably was the only one going the next step, doing something different. So even before applying, the job manager, I, I at that time when I created the dashboard, I did not apply for the job. I just created mm -hmm. the dashboard and using your email template, I reached out to the people in the company uh, that have created the dashboard. And even before applying, the job manager reached out to me. Um, and she told me to send in your resume to the, to, to the portal and we'll set up a call. And then we set up a call. Uh, we had a good discussion and she, I think we had a discussion for like 20 minutes and out of those 20 minutes, 10, 12 minutes, we were talking just about the dashboard. And then uh, I got the interview with them. I cleared the interview. Um, but as I say, I could not join the company because I had PwC offer uh, coming in at, at the same time. But uh, I still keep in touch with the, with the job manager and um, when I told her that I got another job offer, she told, she told me like, um, when you have, when you've had some experience with XYZ company and you want to come back to our company, you're always welcome. So now imagine, I'm not trying to show off here. I'm just trying to prove a point that imagine 400 people applying for a job and you are the only, you're one of the people getting feedback from the job manager and the job manager is telling you that if you want to come back, if you want to, you know, join a company in the future, or you're always welcome. So by doing the extra step, by doing the next step, that helped me a lot. Again, I took an initiative there. I was really interested, uh, fascinated by the fact that people are staying in the company for so long and all that. So always, because it, it's a very competitive environment right now, people are, you know, like for that job, we had like 400 applicants or something. So you have to stand out. You are showing off your skills to the employer that you know, you know your stuff, you know your Excel, you know your dashboards, you know, you know your formulas. The second is you're, you're showing them initiative that you have the capability to take an initiative and, and, and be the leader. And the third thing is, uh, you know how to market yourself. 
So that but helped me stand out uh, from the other uh, other candidates there. So always do these sort of things if you can, you know, just provide extra value to the employer. They'll help you a lot. And I'm, so I was I was talking about keeping the keeping the 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 lead warm. So I and I still talk to her like three after every three or four months. I send out send her a message like how's work going or um, what's what's happening now what all that stuff. So always keep your LinkedIn um, connections warm as well because again you never know who's gonna help you at at, at what time. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable, even, you know, the number of people who will, I guess, it'll be a worst case situation and you'll get rejected from a job, but if you just maintain the relationship, I, I can't, I, but people get so surprised when I tell them this, obviously you won't, but uh, if you just maintain the relationship a couple months, people will literally reach out for you, to you for, with offers. Yeah. Um, and and if you know if you if you get rejected from a job and you you take it really well and you say oh, that's like I wish you well you know with the candidate or whatever you know is there anything that you know I could do to kind of change the decision or improve but uh-huh. you would be mind blown you know by by the results you can get just by maintaining relationships exactly uh, exactly I think you're spot on there you're spot on and um, it's almost in my experience the number of offers people get and interviews is pretty much directly proportional, usually, to the number of relationships they have and the quality of them. Yeah, true. Very true. Very true. I mean, the more number of people you know, you have in your network, chances of you, you know, getting a job increases. Now, also keep in mind, like, you don't have to have that relationship just because you want something from them. It should be it should be genuine as well. It has to be genuine. Now, when I talk to her, I don't have in mind that she will probably help me with a job. I'm not doing it for that purpose. I mean, you have that purpose, but then just don't let that be your only purpose. You anyway want to you know keep 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 um, keep the connection warm. Because you're interested in the industry, you're working in the same industry. You can ask them a bunch of stuff. You can ask them a bunch of stuff about how's the industry doing, how's how's what are the new tools your company are using, or anything. Just have you know, just don't be always in a in a um, mode of you know taking something from someone. It has to be a give and take. Mm. That makes sense. I, I the the one I like the most is just when you give without expectation of taking. Exactly. That's my oh, favorite. That's the best. Because then they want to give you. <laughs> yeah. They're like, "What can I do? You've given so much. How, what can I give you?" Um, yeah, there's a lot we can cover. I just one quick story. One of your our mutual friends. I think you actually referred this person to me afterwards. I won't mention any names because it's like a, I don't know if they will want me to share this specifically, but they got a really good job as well. And the way they got it was they actually built a genuine relationship with the talent acquisition at this company over LinkedIn uh-huh. using these strategies. And um, they actually just built a good relationship. No, no real requests, no demands. And they got on a phone call. No real requests, no real demands. The talent acquisition person just loved this person so much, referred her directly to the partner. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. And you know this person. I won't say who it is, but up final round interview offer. Crazy. No, not even asking, really, um, directly. So it's. Is that person admin based or not? They are now. Oh, okay, got it down. <laughs> so okay. yeah, um, just a point to like really hit that home. I know we're kind of get the call's getting quite long, so I'll, I'll move to the kind of final part of it. Sure. Uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So, you are now working at PwC as an associate mm-hmm. in data analytics. Mm-hmm. What would you say for you was the, I guess, the secret source behind this, this outcome? Because this is for most people, by the way, and I speak to thousands of students and grads mm-hmm. in Australia and across the world. So many of them will say, "I'll say, what's your dream? Like, what's your dream job? If you could have anything, where would it be?" And they'll go PwC or Deloitte, KPMG, EY. Yeah. 
So, so what's your was your secret sauce? Obviously, you don't have to give away any, too much, but just anyone watching to kind of so they can get a bit of an understanding of how you might may have achieved this. Um, I don't think there's a there's a secret sauce for it. Um, when I when I first came to Australia, I was working somewhere and I used to finish work at two two at night, and right next to my my workplace was PwC building. And I used to look at that building and I used to think like one day I will work here. So I had that in my mind. Um, other than that, I mean, uh, you just have to, you just have to do, you just have to keep working, you know, you have that goal in mind and just work towards it. Like, what do you, for example, if you want to work in a company like PwC, what do you need? There's a lot of client facing uh, activities happening. So you need to have good communication skills, good interpersonal skills. Or if you want to work as a data analyst in PwC, you need to have the technical skills as well. So keep working towards them. Have your goal in mind, PwC, KPMG, or whatever. But then um, forget about that. I, that. That's how I do it. I mean, I used to look at the building and I used to think that I, I, I want to work here. But then I forgot, I forgot about the end goal. I just focus on the journey. I need communication skills. How can I get communication skills in Australia by doing the call center job? I got the call center job. By uh, how, how can I learn to work under pressure? Because these companies are sort of infamous for long hours. So working under pressure, work as a work as a chef. I, I worked as a chef and um, have some have good grades. I worked in I worked in my uni on, on on my on my courses. Technical skills. I did some personal projects. You know, some data analytics personal projects. I did that. And when the opportunity came, I was almost ready, um, um, you know, with all the skills that I had, that I had acquired over the last two, two and a half years. And then now the most important thing is your resume. A lot of people, they are very talented, very, very capable of doing amazing things, but they don't have a good resume. That's really important. That's why you remember I told you like you can do one resume review just to just to you know just so that the people can understand how does a recruiter think what do they want to see in a resume so they can get those insights and they can work on their resumes. Had I not had a good resume, I would not have gotten into PwC. So having a good resume is also uh, very important because that's the first step uh, because that's the first thing that the recruiter will see. But yeah, I didn't have. I, I don't think I had a secret sauce. I was just, I, was, I just had my goal in mind at the back of my mind, and then I'm just working towards it, doing, doing random, not random, but like different, different things here and there, and just, and then putting all that together in a beautiful format in my resume. That's what I did. And so, 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 I imagine I don't know the number, but I do know that I think PwC's grad program in uh, Sydney. I think maybe last year, I think it had, at least for the financial advisory space, because someone shared that information with it, they said it was about 18,000 applicants. So I don't know how many went for your job, <laughs> but I'm guessing it was like quite a lot, maybe at least 500 to 1,000, maybe more, I don't know. Yeah, easily. So, so, so do you, what do you think was the... Like what? So, so I guess we got two parts, right? We've got getting the the because you had a video interview. Uh, actually, did you have a video interview or just straight to the interview with the hiring manager? Um, we had a we had a video interview. It was a group. Uh, what's it? Uh, group. I'm forgetting the word. Assessment center. Yeah, yeah. So we had a group discussion. That's the word. Got it. And, and so your but your application online. So you answered these questions. You put your resume, and you then went through to the assessment center and the interview. And yeah. so they're kind of the three, I guess, components. Most people don't get to hear like the assessment center. That mo like it's like what? How many people in your group? Group of six. Uh, in my group, of eight or ten people. Okay, ten, Some and they, they probably had like I don't know, a, a number of those sessions going on. I don't know how many. Yeah. And most people can't get into here. So you think, in your in your opinion, from what your story, how you've gone through, do you think the resume is the primary thing that's going to help you get from here to here, or do you think there's something else, some other 
forces? Um, I think it depends. See, if you are going to the classic route of applying online to the job, then absolutely, resume your resume has to be the best. Uh, it has to it has to show the best version of you. If you if you're applying online, if you're reaching out, if you're reaching out to the recruiter or uh, or the partner or a manager in the company, then then it's a different story. If it's a hidden hidden job strategy that you're you're trying to use, then it's a different story. I did not. I did not get this job to hidden hidden job strategy. I got this job to the, the standard classic route of applying online. So in my case, resume was the most important thing. I don't know about others. Um, if you go to uh, hidden job strategy, then things things would be different. For example, you mentioned that person who just directly got the partner to to interview her. So she would have a different experience. For me, resume was the uh, uh, the most important thing. Mm. So very high quality, the, the highest possible quality application you could put together with the questions, answering those and the, the resume. And obviously before that, if we look upstream of that, to build the really good resume, it was thinking ahead. What skills, like, like understanding the needs of the company, the needs of the, of the role and reverse yeah. engineering that, acquiring solid skills to help you, which like you identified, the main ones communicating technical and ideally yeah. an internship that showcases both personal projects that's then yeah. uh, in going into directly that resume in your application form that's then getting you through into this you know beating all these other people to get into this assessment center with the assessment center what would you say uh, slash interviews what would you say helped you stand out from other people who may have not progressed to the offer Hmm. So, um, during this group discussion, the assessment center, um, so during that assessment center, they are basically looking for soft skills for you, for, in order to progress you to the next step, that is the interview. So you need to have your soft skills in place. Um, for that, for that assessment center, I, I did my research. I had a word with you as well, um, before the interview before the, the group study you need to have your soft skills in in place you need to have good communication you need to have those leadership skills you need to have that um, ability to take initiatives you need to have that ability to uh, work in a team and and keep the team together so all that stuff i was i i studied i worked hard on those skills to make sure that uh, i am I'm, 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 uh, my uh, personality that day is reflecting all those skills um so basically two things, um, practicing, a lot of practice, because I could see in, in the interview, a lot of people were just there. They did not, I could see when, when they were talking, they did not practice. They, they did not do their research, uh, how, how, how these things work. So you, you just need to, I think you just need to practice. And I was, I was always good with group discussions back in, back in India as well, because I've done a lot of, you know, performing in the, in the, in the public. So. I was pretty good at good at that stuff, but yeah, still, still, um, I did my research. I had an interview with you as well, a mock interview, and um, uh, just focused on those specific skills. I think being that specific, uh, precise, helped me in. I think helped me in, in uh, getting to the next stage. Hmm. And then you had the next interview. I was like same kind of stuff, right? In that one. Yeah, so that was a one-on-one -on -one interview where they were asking a lot of uh, questions like why PwC, um, where do you see yourself in five years, and um, some uh, situation-based questions, how would you handle this situation and all that. For that, I think you need a lot of practice. So I reached out to my friends, I reached out to you for a mock interview. I think we had we, we had a, we did a mock interview as well. Uh, I did mock interview with someone else. Um, Oh yeah, one one other thing. Um, I just I just got reminded of that. Uh, my name is I, I'm doing a professional year, so you need to do that for your for your PR purposes. So in that professional year, we had a we had an instructor. We had an instructor, and he was he was an amazing. He is an amazing, amazing, amazing person. Very driven and very organized. So I was like, I want to be like him. So again, the power of network. I reached out to to him on LinkedIn. Like I'm applying, uh, like I really like 
whatever you're teaching and your your personal goals and everything. Uh, I'm having an interview with this company. Uh, would you mind uh, taking a mock interview or, or uh, if you can give me some tips? And then I had one or two mock interviews with him as well. So keep always if you if you if you want to be like someone and you know that person, just reach out to them. Just 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 reach out to them and ask for help. The worst that can happen is they say no. That's it. But in my case, he didn't say no. So I had some more interviews with him, with you. I did a bunch of practice. So I think the practice practice will will take you, you know, will take you far. Hmm. Fantastic. So you got the offer, and um, and uh, I know we're going real. Do you have like a couple more minutes? That's fine. Yeah. Uh, so so just quickly. What mm-hmm. what is it really like working at PwC as an analyst? We all want to know. <laughs> it's it's pretty interesting, you know. Uh, no two days are the same. That's that's what I like about consulting industry. You work you work on different projects. You work with you work in different you work with clients from different industries. So in the past four five months, I have worked with teams in Melbourne, I've worked with teams in Sydney, I've worked with, I'm working with a team in Canberra right now, I've worked with a team in Perth, and all on different projects. I've worked with government projects, I've worked with um, the energy sector, I have worked with um, 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 uh, the, council, uh, the council level, I've, I'm working with, I'm going to start work on the health sector now. So you get to learn a lot of different things, and the other thing is, um, uh, having a good team. Our, our team is like super amazing. We all go out because uh, most of us we moved here from Melbourne, Sydney, and different places. No one's a local friend. So we we always uh, we always stay together. We always go out together. Like on Friday nights. And after this call, I'm going out with friends for shopping. Uh, all my office friends. So it's it's an amazing culture, and everyone is willing to help you. You just have and you just have, have to ask for help. They are always willing to help you. It's, it's an amazing culture so far. Some days it's some days. I mean, you have to work longer hours, but that's fine. I mean, that's part of the job. Fantastic. And and if you are, say, you're speaking to someone who wants to kind of follow in your footsteps, or they they want to just get a good, you know, they want to get a good job when they graduate. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Would you, you know, if, if if you had to provide, say, you know, a couple of tips, your biggest tips or tricks to them, what would what would they be? What would you say? Hmm. Um. First thing would be to have a good network. Just reach out to people, talk to them, uh, pick their brain, uh, provide value if you can. Um, be very organized, have a clear goal in mind, and work towards that goal. Um, when I was applying for jobs, I used to have a huge Excel spreadsheet of all the jobs that I applied. Did I did I get a did I get a response? No. Then I reach out to the job manager. If I can find the job manager, reach out to them on LinkedIn. And um, I mean, you just have to keep working hard. I mean, and, and don't lose hope. Uh, that's that's one thing. Uh, I think I got lucky that I got a job in three months, uh, two or three months at that time. Uh, I know a lot of people struggle for like six months and eight months, and at, at, after after one point, they, they give up. Never give up. Just keep working uh, towards your goal. Yeah, and have to have the basic skills in place: communication skills, interpersonal skills, and whatever your industry. If you're working at data, if you want to work with data analyst, have those technical skills in place. And yeah, and ask for help. Ask for people like McKinsey. Ask for the help. They're there to help you. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and the last thing I'll say, something I, I was going to bring up earlier, but I uh, just slipped my mind, was Prerit talks a lot about um, having a network and relationships. And yeah. like, when he says this, he doesn't d- just say it lightly. Like, uh, I think uh, of all my, I've had quite a lot of clients now quite a number mm-hmm. but uh the number of people that i speak to and they say oh you know prerit told me about you is <laughs> is large he's definitely the, the person who kind of 
I guess, refers the most people to me. And they, they don't always become clients, um, but he definitely yeah. has a reach. He definitely has a reach. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and I think actually the people that you have referred have all been fantastic as well. And they've got really good results, uh, which is yeah. pretty awesome. So you're, you're, you're giving value uh, to a lot of people. Uh, and obviously receiving it is back in bucket load. So uh, you you definitely uh, practice what you preach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, see, I found you. I, I was really, really lucky and blessed to have you uh, help me in my journey. So why not um, um, give my friends as well the same opportunity that I had working with you? If I had good results working with you, why not them? So that's that's and and a lot of people that I refer to you, um, they reached out to me on LinkedIn, and then I then I was having a conversation with them for like a month or so, and then um, then I referred you to you know um, to them because if I found if I found like immense value from 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 your men, uh, mentorship, why not them? Yeah. Mm. No, I really, I really appreciate it as well. It's very kind of you to to do that. It's, it uh, obviously makes for me. It makes it all worthwhile, you know. When when I get someone who's raving about what we do, so so thank you. I appreciate it. And um, no. oh, I, you already know this, but I'll say it again. I think you're amazing, and uh, you've been a, like a, a blessing of a client for me as well to work with you. You know, it's always been fantastic. Um, you know, and I, and I look forward to just keeping in touch, keeping in. You know, seeing what you sure. do, I see what you've done over four or five months. I, I can't even uh, um, start to imagine where you'll be, you know, what your LinkedIn's going to look like in four or five years. <laughs> It'll be amazing. Yeah. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, and thank you for taking your time on a, on a Saturday morning. I know you've got lots of stuff on. You're a super busy guy. So yeah. I'll let you get back to it. But thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, and I'm sure people... Uh, find a lot of value in this. Yeah, thank you. I, I really hope that uh, it reaches out to a bunch of people and uh, they they can they can do what I did, you know, with with your help. Likewise, likewise. Thank you very much. All right, I'll Bye. catch you soon, mate. Bye. Bye. Bye.